wow. Uh, I feel like my story might be kind of boring. Typical, you know, overachiever in high school. And I was like, I'm going to be a doctor and decided, you know, I have to go to college to do that. So in undergrad, I was going to be pre-med major and I was going to study, you know, specializing urology and I had all these plans and then um first day of bio class my teacher says look to your left and look to your right and half of these people are not going to make it to bio too <laughs> less than half of that aren't going to make it to sell and only a fraction of you will graduate as bio major mm. so that was kind of eye-opening to me like maybe i should have another yeah. plan this was in college yeah this is freshman year like day one okay okay yeah, so um, I had an advisor, and she actually had a research lab, and I had never even thought of doing research before, and after my first year, I did pretty well, and she invited me to do research for the summer, and that's kind of where like I left medicine behind and decided I, I wanted to, to go into science. Mm-hmm. And... Um... I guess to go back a little bit, um, you kind of started in high school as you kind of started your story in high school um, and and you kind of started from there and then progressed. But what about before? What about middle school and elementary school and as a child? Um, What was that like? My childhood was kind of normal. I mean, my mom just always instilled in me like, you're going to go to college. That's mm-hmm. just what you're going to do. I don't care. She always would say, I don't care if you major in basket weaving. You're going to have a degree and you're going to be the best at it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really think of what I wanted to do. I mean, as a kid, I still excelled in math and things like that. But I, I didn't really develop this plan of being a doctor until mm-hmm. high school. <laughs> I see. Yeah. And then once you got to college, you said... um you weren't really exposed to research. Um, kind of, do you think you can like go into a bit more of like how you stumbled upon research? You said you had a research advisor and then yeah, that kind of my, like exposed you to research. My academic advisor, she had a lab and she offered me to do research for that summer after my freshman year. And that was my first time really participating outside of like, you know, you take bio one, you do lab, things like that. But outside of that was my first experience really being, you know, in the thick of a research mm-hmm. lab, like conducting real experiments and learning how to plan experiments. And, and just, um, I worked with fruit flies. So that was a whole new mm-hmm. world for me. She was um, a genetics professor. So her lab was more um, genetics. So that's why we worked with fruit flies. And that was I mean, I thought it was a great experience. I mean, so much so that I continued on in her lab while I pursued my master's degree. Uh, Yeah, what did you like about research? Um, Kind of like what were your initial impressions and and what made you stay? I like the overall, I realized kind of that I'm I'm a people person, but I don't really like to be around too many people. (laughs) So maybe medicine (laughs) was the right thing for me. I like the being in a smaller lab and having your little group and being able to just talk with people just about science and 
you know, having these experiments, learning, planning these experiments and how to progress, you know, when you have data, like how to move forward, like just going from like, okay, I, I did this experiment. I got this result. Like now what do we want to know from that? Like just the curiosity that's involved in research is pretty cool. Right. And, and, And you said you, um, ended up also, you know, you liked it so much you stayed for a master's, but you, you're a PhD student now, right? So kind of how did you go from master's to PhD? Like, I mean, uh, PhD is, is no, no, you know, no, not for the faint of heart, right? So, you know, what, what made you uh, pursue a PhD? Well, that's the real story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while I was finishing my master's, I decided I was going to pursue a PhD in genetics. And I had applied and I had some interviews, but I, I didn't get in. So at that point, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. <laughs> I didn't even get in. And at the time of finishing my master's, I kind of felt like I was a little burnt out. I mean, looking back now, I kind of realized I didn't get in because honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do pursuing a PhD in genetics. Like you would ask me and I would just say something generic. Mm-hmm. So I took a break. I took a long, hard break. <laughs> I decided that... um I needed real world experience and I wanted mm-hmm. to work and, you know, and just learn different things. And at that moment I was like, oh, I don't think I ever want to pursue a PhD. Like, honestly, that's where I've, I've mm-hmm. like master's is good enough. Yeah. Like I still do research with the master's. Why get a PhD? I don't want to run anything. Mm-hmm. So while I was working, I, um, I worked part-time in a medical laboratory, um, lab in a hospital part-time and then full-time I actually work at NIH and uh, under NIAD I worked in a malaria vaccine group and I worked in the immunology lab and I did their ELISA's I had never done ELISA before until I got to that lab and I was able to pursue other things while I was there I traveled to some malaria endemic countries so I traveled to Africa and I got to work on clinical trials and to me that was so cool mm-hmm. um, but honestly like it was there when I realized like I definitely now want to pursue a PhD and it, mm. but it's not in genetics I want to go into infectious disease mm, I see and NIAD is uh allergy and infectious diseases is that and that's like a sub branch of NIH or kind of yeah so you have NIH and then you have its different institutes and I had one of the institute national uh NIAID National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases Mm. and and what about being a part of of NIAID and working with NIH and, and going to um all these different countries um what about that um, made you want to kind of pursue a PhD and, and do research? I think it was there where I kind of like re-fell in love with mm-hmm. <laughs> doing research. After my master's, like I said, I was so burnt out and I was just tired and I didn't know where I wanted to go. But like just doing that, it kind of helped me realize like, no, I, I can do a PhD. Like mm. I want to do a PhD. Like, and I'd be good at, you know, being a leader in the field of infectious disease. Mm. But also just being able to travel to the different countries and just seeing what's all involved 
it, it really just put that spark back in me. Instead of kind of, would you say, you know, after your master's, you kind of, PhD just seemed like the most logical thing to do or kind of uh, what was going through your head after completing the master's and pursuing a PhD kind of? Um, it was more so because of I was also working part-time in a medical laboratory. I also realized like I wanted to lead, be a lead over medical laboratories. And then that's when I realized I could merge my two, like my research side and my clinical background side. And pursuing a PhD was kind of like the logical next step in becoming like a clinical laboratory director. Mm, I see. I see. I see. Cool. And then um, I guess during your time working with NIH and being a part-time at the medical laboratory in a hospital, were you, did you ever explore other career paths or were you always kind of, because there's so much out there, right? It's not just research, right? Um, kind of, did you explore? Did you look into other things? I, I did. I would look into like um, infectious control, like an infectious control preventionalist. And I mean, you don't have to have a PhD to do that. Um, you, you can have a nursing background to do that. You can have um, most people who work in a medical laboratory, they have... Um, uh, certifications. You could just have your certification as a medical technologist to be an infectious uh, preventionalist. So I thought about pursuing that as well, but then I still just kept coming back to like, no, I know I can be a, a great director over a clinical laboratory or a public health laboratory. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. there were other things I looked into. I even still was like, well, maybe maybe I could be go to medical school. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's in the back of most PhDs minds. And they're like, well, maybe I could still be an a MD. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing I'd like to touch on is that, um, you're part of the, <coughs> excuse me, you're part of the GPP program at NIH and you're, but you're also a PhD student at, um, George Mason university kind of, What's the, what's that about? Can you explain um, kind of what the program is and, you know, how you got into the program? What was the process like? Um, what are yeah. the benefits? Yeah. So NIH has the GPP, it's the Graduate Partnership Program, and they have two different uh, tracks, kind of, in a sense. The first one is more so like you apply to a university that is already established with the connection of GPP, like Brown or uh, Georgetown, things like that. Or you can apply to a PhD program and then pretty much just reach out to a PI at NIH and see if they're willing to do an individualized partnership through GPP. That's what I did. I had already gotten to George Mason. So I'm at George Mason doing my PhD in uh, biosciences, and my concentration is microbiology and infectious disease. They had some good research going on at George Mason, but I knew I just, because I had been at NIAD and I knew the research that was going on, I knew I still would have wanted to be able to do my research at, within NIAD. So I reached out to um, 
the connections that I've made over the few years of working there. And I found a really great lab that was doing some really cool science. And they were, they had the funds and they were willing to take me on as a graduate student. And that's how we did the individualized uh, GPP application. Mm. And was that application process pretty simple? Like once you reached out, it was just kind of like a formality. You just kind of have to like yeah, fill out the forms. Much. Oh, yeah, that's, that's like really good. I don't know what is all entailed exactly when you do it, like for Brown or uh, Georgetown, but when you do the individualized one, yeah, it pretty much is like a simple application. Like I'm at this school, I'm doing this PhD, <laughs> this is my PI at NIH, you, and you send it along, and then there's some paperwork that, you know, um, people at NIH sign, people at George Mason or your university will sign, and then. Once all that signed, you're, you're pretty much just good to go. You're in the NIH fold, and mm-hmm. they cover your stipend, your tuition, and your health insurance benefits. Wow, yeah. So, so you get the same benefits as being like, you know, at you know, if you're just doing research at your university, but it's through NIH. Mm, yeah, well, I guess you did the hard part already, which is like actually be, be getting a PhD and, and going to university and whatever. So how, kind of how does that work? Do you split your time at George Mason and then kind of also do research at NIH or are you like a full-time student at NIH? It's just you're like a PhD student at George Mason. So how does that really work? So yes, I'm a PhD student at George Mason. I'm a graduate trainee Mm -hmm. under NIH. I did my classes at George Mason, but all of my research is at NIH. I see. So are you living in like Maryland right now? Yes. I see. So So, I had previously already lived in Maryland because I had worked at NIH. I see. Okay. (laughs) So is George Mason in I don't, I don't think George Mason is in Maryland. It's in right? Northern Virginia. Okay. Um, it's, not, it's not like a far drive. It's like a 30, 40 minute drive okay. from campus. So when I had to leave to go to class, like in the middle of the day or towards the end of the day, it wasn't like a far commute. Right. Um, I actually started my PhD during the pandemic, so I wasn't much going to campus. So that mm. was kind of a plus, the one plus of COVID. Um, that I was able to do online classes and and be on campus. Right, right. And um, how is George Mason when when you were there? Uh, kind of like, what does it offer in terms of, you know, research and, and the PhD program? Like, um, when you were applying, um, kind of like, how did you see yourself growing there? So when I applied for my PhD, George Mason was. The, only school I applied to is the only one I wanted wow. to go to because they they do offer some really good research there um, a lot of because what I do now is BSL3 work and they actually have BSL3 research going on at George Mason and that was one of the things like I mean if you're going to work in infectious disease you got to have a BSL3 like, mm. and that's like the so for people who don't know what BSL3 that's like that's like the highest like very inf- it's not the highest not the like highest? Yeah. A bsl4 is okay. the highest so that means like if you're in a four you're doing like ebola work <laughs> okay okay if you're in a three you're doing like 
TB, tuberculosis, SARS-CoV-2 work. Okay, okay, okay. You're doing like <laughs> malaria work, things like that. I see. Okay, and, and that's um, and and that made sense for you, right? Since you were um, really interested in infectious diseases, and George Mason did offer that um, you know that those resources. So so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, and they had a lot of different professors doing a lot of different research, like. If you wanted to do like host pathogen research, if you wanted to do like HIV, like it, it was uh-huh. a, a pretty broad range of research in, in the, the College of Science going on. So that is what drew me to George Mason. But also they also had a thing where if you're coming in with a master's degree, you also didn't have to take the GRE as well as they uh, reduced your total credits by 30 because you were coming in with a previous master's degree. And that appealed to me because as someone coming in with a master's degree, I don't have to take a lot of these classes all over again that I already took. Right. You know, I'm going to do biochemistry all over again than I had to take it before. I mean, don't get me wrong. Biochemistry is important, but uh, it's not my strong student. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, you definitely shaved off some time with that. And um, so... Yeah, that's that's good in terms of like, yeah. Well, so now I see it. It all works out perfectly in terms of George Mason lined up perfectly with your interest in PhD, and um, and now you now you're back at NIH where you first started with uh, infectious diseases. So that's really really cool. And then I guess I feel like I never left in a sense because I literally ended working there and then like maybe three months later I started my master's. right and, and so were you working with those people on the lab beforehand and then no, this is a totally different group of total people. different group of people like, yeah this, I was doing malaria vaccines before and now I'm doing tuberculosis and SARS-CoV-2 work okay totally I did not do any BSL-3 work before I didn't I do any animal studies and now I'm doing like I'm in a full Pepper and shroud, and I'm touching mice. And yeah, what is that like? What is that like? It is. It takes some getting used to yeah. at first. I didn't realize like it takes so long to like gown up <laughs> and gown out just to get in the lab and even start doing work sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I'm used to it now. Yeah. Now it's less than. 15 minutes <laughs> and it's part of the process right and, and yeah. yeah no that's awesome so i guess in the future looking ahead maybe five ten years um you know what are your goals career-wise and also um do you have any personal goals for yourself uh, uh definitely personal goals i well of course finishing my doctorate yeah what year are you in by the way <laughs> I am, well, okay, because of the reduced credit, it's kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like year two, but I'm kind of year three okay, and a okay. half. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to really explain. No worries, yeah. Here I'm in, but, I mean, the plan is I should be done by May 2024. Okay. Yeah. So less than two years out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not that bad, but... I would say, yeah, after finishing my doctorate, I want to do a medical microbiology fellowship. Um, There's one at NIH, so I, you know, if I get into that one, that would be nice, but there's also ones at other universities that I would apply to, and then I would take my licensure to be 
uh, a licensed medical uh, microbiologist. Mm. After that, I'm thinking of doing a post doc in France. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love France. I love traveling to France. Mm-hmm. I've been multiple times uh, on a lot of my trips to Africa. We would stop over in France, so I got to really like see it and get to know, you know, get to know the country. And I've gone back several times in between. So, and I think I just really want to. I think we get a little a lot of international students who are postdocs coming to NIH. Right. And I see their appeal of wanting to venture out and come to a different country and do their postdoc. And I feel like us as Americans, we can we should do the same. We mm-hmm. should do a postdoc in a different country and just get that experience and see what research is going on, like in different parts of the world. Yeah, experience it, right? You're gonna be yeah. going to school anyway. Might as well do it in a different country and get those experiences. Really? If you gotta train, you might as well train somewhere beautiful, right? <laughs> no, for real. Walk out, look at that Eiffel Tower, have a cup, a uh, glass of wine, and some cheese. Like, man, right, that's so the dream, right? Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, kind of looking back, um, now that you're, kind of, you know. You went to college, you, t- you got your master's, uh, applied, didn't get in the first time around, took a break, and, and now uh, you worked a little bit at NIH, also at the hospital, you know, now you're actually a PhD student and working back at, with the NIH, kind of looking back, would you have done anything differently? Um, Honestly, no. I think things worked out so nicely. Yeah. <laughs> if I had did anything different. It, it wouldn't have worked out. Mm-hmm. I mean, and plus I got that time to travel and see the world and experience some things and save up some money and I bought a house. And there you go, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I would do anything differently mm-hmm. for me. No. Yeah, do you ever think, kind of like looking back, like, oh, like what if I have done this? What if I did this differently? Uh, kind of what your life would look like. Do you ever kind of like shower thought that? I think sometimes, yeah, everyone looks back like, well, if I would have realized sooner what I wanted to do, sure. of course it would be. But then I, I think I would have, the one good thing I feel like worked out for me is I didn't get to, I don't want to say miss my 20s, but you know how you go through school and you go through undergrad or master's and then PhD, you kind of spend all of your 20s mm-hmm. in school. Right. So I got to really enjoy my 20s and do what 20 year olds do or just Mm. do certain things in life or just even set myself up like you know when most people do their PhD they don't really finish school until they're almost 30 and then after a postdoc they're not really you know putting money into the 401k until they're 30 things like that I was I feel like financially Mm-hmm. I set myself up a little bit. <laughs> right. I mean, you're, you bought a house. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, there's the what if, like, oh, what if I had, you know, realized this sooner? And then I'm like, well, I wouldn't have my house. <laughs> I wouldn't have my 401k. I wouldn't yeah. have. <laughs> and then, yeah, kind of segueing that, um, what general advice would you give undergraduates exploring research and PhD programs? Does that kind of relate? Like, oh, maybe take a break? <laughs> No, 
well, I think a break is good because burnout is real. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Um, I, when I was coming through school, we, we didn't really call it burnout. We were just like, we're tired. <laughs> <laughs> now it has a word. Yeah. Burnout. Um, but I honestly feel like just any advice I would give is just listen to your instincts. Mm-hmm. If you feel you need a break, then take a break. If you feel like you're just, you're good to go and you can handle it and you just want to, you know, you're such a rush and you're just really eager to pursue it, then pursue it. Like just, you know, follow your heart too, because you're the only one who really knows yourself. No one knows you better than you. And you're the only one who really can dictate what you can handle. Mm. Awesome. And, And then lastly, kind of what is some more practical advice, you know, to someone who may be applying to PhD programs right now or is looking into a PhD program and, um, Yeah, what would you tell them? I would tell them um, just go into it fearlessly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look into it. If there's a program all the way out in Nebraska and you're like, I don't think I can live in Nebraska, like, why not? (laughs) There's a program in London, like, why not? Like, when I was in high school, I really wanted to go to Oxford. My mom would not let me, but I really wanted to go to Oxford. <laughs> now I tell her, I'm like, I can go anywhere I want. You can't tell me. Um, but if, yeah, just broaden your horizon. You don't have to stay in the United States to to pursue your dreams. You you can go anywhere in the world to do that. 